0: Well, this morning we're going to jump back into our series we started about four weeks ago called Devoted, Living Immersed in God's Word and Empowered by the Holy Spirit in our lives. And so last week we had our family service, so Pastor Laura and I shared about the different kinds of love and focused on the love of God, the agape love that He has for us. And then the week before that was Sanctity of Life Sunday, and we focused on the importance of understanding life and what Scripture teaches us about the value of life, the holiness of life, and why we stand so firmly in in, in believing that all life is sacred and holy from the moment of conception onward and how God's Word attests to that truth as well. So as I said, we're going to get back into our series this morning called Devoted. And this is week number three. And so just a refresher, the main verse that we've been using throughout this series comes from Acts chapter 2, verse 42, verse 42 where it says this, they, speaking of the early church, the apostles and those who gathered around after Christ had gone back to heaven, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to... We've been focusing on those four different elements, those four different items that the early church was committed to doing, and so this morning we're going to be focusing on the third of those, which is the breaking of bread or communion, and as you'll see before me this morning, we have communion prepared, and a little bit later in service, we're going to receive communion together as well. But what is the definition of devotion or devoted? Again, because as we go through this series, it's important we remember what it means to be devoted or to have devotion towards something. And the simple definition is this it means to consistently show strength which prevails in spite of difficulties, to endure, to persist, to stay in a fixed direction, steadfast, loyal. And we've been using a couple questions to assess in our lives, are we devoted? What are we devoted to? How do we assess that idea of devotion in our lives? And the two questions we've been using is, number one, what things capture your attention and affection? And number two, where are you putting your energy into every day? So what captures your attention and affection? And where are you putting your energy into? Those two things will help answer the question of what am I devoted to in my life? So as I said, we've already worked through the first two, which was the apostles teaching or being willing to be students, to be teachable, to continue to learn, as well as looking at the importance of fellowship, or the Greek word koinonia, of coming together for a common bond and a common purpose. And today, as I said, we're going to look at the act of breaking bread or partaking in communion together. If you like eating, if you like hosting or sharing meals with others then this might be your favorite of the four things we talk about in this passage. Because it's all about coming together around the table. In fact, some of us, since we're here, generally, I would say, you eat a few meals a day. And this is probably the most accessible and easiest practice of the four that we talked about to do. Because we all gather around a table multiple times a day. The question is, do we gather around the table and do we spend time remembering what Jesus did for us and the promise that God had for us. But make no mistake, breaking bread with other believers isn't simply about passing around food around the dinner table. It's a holy time of remembrance, of praise, of community made possible only through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. N.T. Wright says this about it. When Jesus wanted to explain to his disciples what his death was all about, he didn't give them a theory he gave them a meal. When Jesus wanted to explain what His life, death, and resurrection was all about, He didn't give them a theory. He gave them a meal to remember. So today as we, we look at this practice of breaking bread or partaking communion, we also remember that it's only possible through Christ that we are here today. He built the trail so we could walk down the path, and thankfully He included food as a part of the journey in our lives. Breaking bread or communion is incredibly important. That's why we do it on a normal basis here at Chisholm Sunday of God. Here's why the early church was so stubbornly devoted to breaking bread together. You hear us commonly read this passage from 1 Corinthians 11 when we partake in communion here at the church. It says, For I received from the Lord what I also pass on to you, the Lord Jesus, on the night in which he was betrayed took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, The cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread or drink of this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So communion is about what? It's about remembering Jesus. It's about remembering his life. His sacrifice upon the cross, his body being broken for you and I, his blood, the marker of the new and final covenant between God and mankind, his death, his resurrection, and his promise to return again. It's about his promise to return again for his church. Because what does it say? It says, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. He will return to gather His church back together again. These are realities for believers that we simply cannot forget. And because communion is implicitly done with other people, it follows that we celebrate and remember Jesus together. It's something to be done within fellowship, within the body of Christ, within the presence of other believers. Think about it like this. Our common union The one thing that all believers have that brings everyone together throughout all of the history of mankind is what? We talked about it in week two. Jesus Christ. That's the one common bond that brings every Christian, every believer together. we looked at that in part two, again, the practice of fellowship or koinonia, our common bond is Jesus. Communion is our divine opportunity to remember him every time we gather together for times of worship. So number one this morning, I want to remind you the power of remembrance. The power of remembrance, of remembering what communion is all about. The significance of communion, why we partake in communion. I think we can all agree as a general rule that humans are pretty forgetful, right? Is that probably a pretty accurate statement? We tend to be a little bit forgetful at times. So how many of you have ever put something somewhere and then you just cannot find it right you're searching your house up and we literally went through this this morning Pastor Laura, with Gabriella she got this this new little red purse Friday night at the father-daughter ball that she's just over the moon about and, and she couldn't find it this morning she wakes up she comes out, mom dad where's my red purse I don't know honey we're looking all over the place I'm out in the garage looking in the vehicles we're everywhere it turns out where it was it well, when she had went in to use the bathroom last night, she hung it on the like the inside doorknob of our bathroom, and it was sitting there. But none of us thought, well, it's and it's a bathroom she doesn't typically use. Like, oh, it's hanging on the doorknob in the bathroom. Right? We we're looking upstairs, downstairs, everywhere we can. And finally, I was just like, I don't know. I guess I'll just literally walk into any room I haven't walked into yet, and there it is, hanging on the doorknob, uh, and it's just. But, how many times does that happen, right? Or my favorite is we're looking for our car keys. And they're one of two places anymore. Now that there's spots, they're either in the car, you don't know where they're at in the car. Or number two, they're probably in your pocket, but you don't know they're in your pocket. And you're looking everywhere and all of a sudden you realize, ah, oh, they've been in my back pocket this whole time. Don't act like I'm the only person that's ever, okay, yeah. I didn't think I was the only person that had ever done that type of a thing. But in order to combat our forgetfulness that we have as humans, many of us write notes to ourselves. Maybe we make reoccurring events on our Google calendars, or we we set alarms on our phone throughout the day. I've said that before. I've got alarms set for all kinds of things. So if you come to my office and an alarm goes off, it's probably just a reminder to me that something's going on. But I set alarms and calendar dates for everything so I don't forget these things. These devices or tricks help to trigger our memories and keep us focused on the things that truly matter. In fact, this practice is almost as ancient as humanity itself. If we go all the way back to the book of Genesis, we see this take place. It says this in Genesis chapter 12, starting at verse 1. The Lord had said to Abraham, or Abram, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. Continuing on, I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you I will curse, and all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So Abram went, as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with them. Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. He took his wife Sarai, his nephew Lot, all the possessions they had accumulated, and the people that they had acquired in Haran, and they set out for the land of Cana, and they arrived there Abram traveled through the land as far as the site of the great tree of Merah at Shechem. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. The Lord searched to Abram and said, To your offspring I will give this land. So he built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. Finishing out, it says, From there he went on toward the hills east of Bethel and pitched his tent, with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east, there he built an altar to the Lord, and he called on the name of the Lord. All right, So Abraham is being called by God to leave his homeland and travel to a place he doesn't know, and a place that is foreign to him. And he does it, he's faithful, he takes his family and everything he has, and he faithfully follows God. And at the conclusion of the passage, you'll notice it says Abraham built not one, but two different altars in this passage. Both of which commemorate moments that he had with God, encounters that he had with God. He would create uh, an altar to remember and to give praise and thanks to God for what God had done in that moment, in that particular place that it took place. Now, if you've read through the Old Testament and you know that it says you'll notice that they were building altars. That was a pretty normal practice. We see it happen a lot throughout the Old Testament And many of them are referred to as altars of remembrance. Here's what one one biblical commentator has to say about these these altars of remembrance we see throughout the scripture. It says that altars of remembrance are a symbol of God's faithfulness in the midst of wilderness, change, and transition. It's important to remember those times of God's faithfulness for our future self when doubt and difficulty arise in new ways. But they are also a reminder to future generations. These are the defining seasons of our life story that need to be remembered and shared with our children and grandchildren as a means to point them back to God. With this in mind, we can see how important it is to remember certain points of our faith and certain experiences we have with the Lord. We can see why a practice like communion is so important as we collectively focus our memories again on Jesus' life, his death, and his resurrection. We can see why the early church was so devoted to this practice. We can also see why it's important for us today to continue to practice in having communion, coming to the Lord's table together. But having it be not just a time where we gather together and come to the Lord's table as we look at in just a moment. Communion is also a time where we are to come Unpolluted by division, anger, and sin. There's another part of communion that sometimes we like to look over this morning. That's our second thing. Number one, remembering the the importance of remembering. Number two, seeking reconciliation. Part of the communion process is an opportunity to, to find reconciliation, whether it's between you and the Lord or you and other people. It's an opportunity to seek reconciliation. If we're going to look at the practice of breaking bread together, we need to make sure we look at both the good and the bad aspects of it. Or if you want to say what we tend to enjoy about it and what sometimes is the harder part of the communion process. With communion specifically, there's something Jesus taught us in the Sermon on the Mount of Matthew 5, 6, and 7 that's worth mentioning. So Matthew chapter 5 verses 22 through 24 read this way. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Again, anyone who says to a brother or sister, raka, which means empty or worthless, is answerable to the court, and anyone who says, you fool, will be in danger of the fire of hell. Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar, and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar, First go and be reconciled with them, then come and offer your gift. Right, so Jesus is laying out this idea that we come and, and we remember the faithfulness of God, the goodness of God. We are to come with a pure and a holy heart, not, not one with division and anger and that, that sin it, it is causing destruction with, but to come in a way that is worthy of remembering the promise that Christ made to us. This instruction here is to be mindful of, of where you take your anger. In this example, when the altar was still a place to make sacrifices like it was in the Old Testament, Jesus says if you're angry or at odds with another believer, you should go to them and be reconciled with them before presenting your sacrifice to the altar. In 1 Corinthians 11:27, the Apostle Paul warns us about taking communion in an unworthy manner. All this to say, I think it's important to remember Taking communion is a holy act of worship for those who believe. Here's another way to think about it. During communion, and maybe this morning I want to encourage you to do this, we remember Jesus and all he did on our behalf. Right? He traded his life for our life. So we could be reconciled to God and become co-heirs in the eternal kingdom of God. That's a pretty big thing Jesus did for us, huh? Pretty big deal. Actually, I would venture to say the biggest deal possible of what Christ did for us. In atoning for our sins that we may become co-heirs, children of God and part of the kingdom of God. So it makes sense that we should all do the same. We should all desire to be reconciled with others as well. At peace with our family and friends and free from sin in our lives. We should be willing to forgive others just as God has forgiven us through Christ Jesus. We should deal with our anger and our sin before partaking in communion. Not because it's a random rule that we need to follow and definitely not as a way to exclude people from participating in communion. But as believers, we are united in our common bond with Christ and we should seek unity with others as much as possible as well. Imagine for a moment... An entire church completely devoted to unity, forgiveness, charity, and generosity with one another. I know it sounds crazy and idealistic, difficult, but if I could dream for a moment, then you could dream for a moment. I imagine this is the kind of community that is being described in Acts chapter 2 when we read this portion of scripture. Where it says again, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship daily those who are being saved it takes a lot of effort to be in one accord it takes a lot of effort it doesn't happen by accident it happens by being intentional by being diligent by being willing to be humble not only before the Lord but before one another within the family of Christ it's difficult as I said it takes humility Sometimes it's hard because maybe God is going to ask us to lay something down to help somebody else. Right? Maybe God's going to ask you to, as, as the example used here, to sell a possession in order to maybe help someone else who may be in need. But in communion, we focus on what we have in common. That's our faith in Jesus Christ and not on what makes us different. We focus on what makes us unified, Christ, not on what separates us and makes us different In communion, we set aside our differences, our anger, and our frustrations so we can gaze upon Christ together and remember His sacrifice. In communion, we look back, but we also look ahead and celebrate our future hope as one church gathered together under Christ. He will return to bring us back together. As we close today, I'd like for all of us to take some time reflecting on our faith, where have you seen God in your life lately? How did you come to your faith personally? What are some of your favorite things about Jesus? I'd also like you to look forward to the future a little bit this morning. Where do you sense God may be leading you? How do you hope to grow in your faith over the next couple of years? Are there relationships in your life that you would like to see reconciled? Are there relationship you would like to see mended and reconciled, repaired? Pastor Bethany, might get you to come up at this time. This morning, as I said, we're going to close our time together by partaking in communion together today. I want to remind you of Luke one thirty-seven, when the angel Gabriel reminds Mary, the mother of Jesus, after he had just told her that she was going to become the mother of God's son. Gabriel said this, For nothing is impossible with God. For nothing is impossible with God. The angel is reminding Mary of that in this moment where she's just received this news that forever changes her life, not only her life, the course of all mankind is changed because God chose to move and work through Mary. And the angel Gabriel says, For remember, nothing is impossible with God. God can and God will do exceedingly, abundantly more than you could ever ask or imagine. You just have to be willing to walk in obedience when he opens the door before you. We have a part to do in this. Are we willing to walk in our our faith, to walk in accordance with what Jesus is calling us to do, with the way the Holy Spirit is leading and guiding and directing us in our lives? So this morning, I just want you to think upon those things as we get ready to receive communion this morning. And So in a moment, we're going to have you come forward. I'm going to have Pastor Laura help me to, to serve out the communion elements this morning. As we do, you come up the middle, you go around the edges and hold on to it and we will partake of it together. Again, if you're at home, I encourage you to run to your kitchen, grab a, a cup of grape juice or apple juice or something and a little piece of bread and you can join together with us today as well as we remember the promises of Jesus when we remember and partake of communion this morning. The importance of remembering what communion is all about and the opportunity to find reconciliation not only with the Lord but with others. These are two things we must remember when we partake and come to the table for a time of communion. And so at this time again I'm going to invite Pastor Laura to come up She's going to help me this morning. And as Pastor Bethany begins to lead us uh, through a song, this morning I want to invite you and encourage you to come forward. If you're not a member, that's okay. Community here is open. We just ask that as, as the word says, if you have a relationship with the Lord, you're more than welcome to uh, receive communion with us this morning. Father, we thank you today that you are a God who brings about reconciliation. You're a God who mends brokenness. You're a God who rebuilds bridges. You're a God who who loves us so much and desires that we would not only experience your love, but Father, that we'd be able to share that love with other people as well. And so, Father, I pray for individuals and families, Lord, here this morning, or those who may be joining us online. God, who are in need of reconciliation, may today be a day where, Lord, they start this process of reconciliation, of allowing you to come into the situation and bring healing into the brokenness that they find themselves in. Father, I pray for our church, that we would be a church and a body of believers that's full of unity. Lord, that that has a common bond and a common goal. And that is to reflect you to our community and the Iron Range and the world all around us. So Father, I pray today that where there may be division, where there may be hurt or harm, God, I pray today that you would help us to have the necessary conversations. Lord, that we can find reconciliation within our body of Christ here. That we can walk in true unity with one another. And Father, I pray for our nation and our world. God, that again, we would be unified under the banner of you as Lord of all. God, that we wouldn't allow everything to to differentiate us, to divide us, but God, that we would allow that which is our common bond, that which is the most important thing in our lives, and that's you, to be what draws us together and not listen to all the other things that want to drive us apart. And so, Father, we pray today that you would help us, Lord, to walk in unity. Help us to walk in one accord with one another according to your word, as the early church did. And so we thank you for that. Father, be with us now. As each of us go our separate ways, we just ask, God, that you give us opportunities to be the hands and feet of Jesus here in Chisholm, the Iron Range, and around the world. Father, continue to help us to reach the lost through the empowering, equipping, and enabling of believers through the working of the Holy Spirit. And we give you all praise, all honor, and all glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.